All right, everybody, we are back at it again. I am here with two of my favorite people in the world, two guys that I have loved journeying with since coming to VG. I'm here with Carl Rettinger and Lee Stacy. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and this is where we do a deep dive into the text every single week to help you prep for life group. Our goal is to just help you make disciples who make disciples who make more disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just doing some deep diving on your own, we really hope the text lab helps you have meaningful conversations about what God has said to us in his word. This week, we are in John 1 through 26. So let's get into it. Six days before Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was whom Jesus was raised from the dead. So they gave dinner to him there. Martha served Lazarus as one of the re- as one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed his feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When a large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only to, on account of him, but to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a donkey and sat sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was uh, from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, sir, We wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
you know, I just like that we have a nice, easy text. Not much here for when you guys are on the pod. Simple, <laughs> straightforward, for sure. So much here. Again, jumping into John 12. You, Carl, what do we see kind of right off the bat? What are just some of the main maybe themes going on here? Yeah, so, you know, we're we're kind of going into just the climax yeah. of um, of the book of John. And John is very intentional about the way that he is telling the story. In fact, he's been, you know, he's had more time even than the other gospel writers mm. to kind of like think through the way that he wants um, people to understand who yeah. Jesus is. And so yeah. um, right here is kind of this transition um, to a whole different part of the story. And yeah. there's some key themes in the book of John, and they're all coming together now. Mm. Like one of them is the popularity of Jesus is really gaining uh, traction yeah. and it's causing some major problems for the religious leaders. Yeah, and you see yeah, yeah. them starting to, you know, get more and more uh, angry mm. and wanting to uh, get rid of Jesus. Mm. Um, and we're also seeing the death of Jesus being foreshadowed. Mm. And, um, you know, it's been, that's been happening throughout the book of John, mm. but now we're, we're seeing things actually getting to the point where those are going to happen. Yeah. I think, too, Lee, what's your favorite movie? Any movie. Oh, gosh. What movie would you pick? Uh, I don't, I'm not a big movie guy. Okay. Yeah. Book, any, any just favorite, like, story that you love? Dude, it's clearly The Princess Bride. Is that, that, is, is? that is the best movie of all time. It could be. I wouldn't be able to tell you the plot okay. of it, but. Think about Princess Bride, because I love that. This is like the rescue plan at the end of The Princess Bride when they're breaking into the castle <laughs> to basically break out of prison and reunite like main character of the story. Like that's what's happening here. Think like climax of the movie. Like everything's been building towards this. John's basically like this is the climax scene that is happening. And there's kind of this shift from external to internal. Lee, what is going on there a little bit? Kind of that shift from Jesus doing things externally to internally now. Well, yeah, I think it's important to recognize that Jesus, as Carl said, has just finished his uh, public ministry. Um, and now we're moving into um, to uh, John 12, where he's switching behind the scenes. Mm. And uh, just a plug for our life groups here is um, it's... It's worth note is that he's finishing his public ministry in a house, a house with friends yeah. at a meal. And and I, I think that um, what we see in the Bible is a lot of the, the key fellowship that happens specifically with Jesus is in somebody's home. And uh, he's finishing his public, public ministry um, there. Uh, yeah. I think that's a great question even for our groups to talk about this week of like, What's the significance of Jesus' ministry that are that happens in homes, and kind of how can that change things? How does that change relationship? How does that change some different things when you're in that type of setting? Because a lot of ministry happens from home to home, even thinking of like Book of Acts, and that's kind of a significant piece here in John 12 that Jesus is now in this home, some sort of dinner being served um, that will that will be played out here um, in some significant ministry, but like John's showing us kind of behind the curtain here, which is kind of cool. I think too, you see that the book of John has, has been this book of signs. Basically a sign is anything that reveals to us the identity of Jesus. And so there's kind of three things that are going to happen here in one through 26 that are really showing us the identity of Jesus 
again. So you're, you're going to have the anointing um, of Jesus in the home that's telling us something about Jesus' identity and what's going to happen from Mary. You have the triumphal entry and you have the Greeks that come and uh, talk to Jesus and, and want to see him. And each of these are more signs that are telling us something about Jesus. So let's just kind of start with that first anointing of Jesus in the home. He's at dinner, Lazarus, Martha, um, Kind of imagine seeing they're maybe reminiscing about that time. Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. They're probably just talking about that. And Mary comes with this expensive jar of perfume. Uh, Carl, what's going on with just that jar of perfume and how expensive it is and what's kind of happening there? Yeah, so it's really expensive. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's essentially, you can think of it as at least a year's wages for most people. Yeah. So this is... Um, it's an extremely extravagant expense. Yeah. And, you know, she, the way that we see Mary taking this thing that obviously is a huge sacrifice, um, she's taking that and she is uh, doing something in front of all of these people yeah. that is not just unexpected, but it's probably even a little questionable yeah, in yeah. the way that she's doing it. I mean, it's, I, I think I read or heard somebody one time say it would be the equivalent of being at a really fancy dinner yeah. or ball and having somebody like having a woman just kind of hike up her skirt mm. and, you know, start like washing the plates, you know, yeah. like people would be yeah. going, what are you doing? What's like, going on? That's so inappropriate. Mm. So, but at the same time, it's this extremely sacrificial, intimate yeah. act. And we also see, you know, this is kind of a foreshadowing of Jesus mm. washing his disciples' mm. feet. And yep. before he even does that, yeah. we've got Mary doing that, kind of not being asked to do yep. it, but just, you know, acting out of her love and her yeah. devotion yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. It's so selfless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's also in huge contrast to, we see Judas and just yeah. his kind of greed and his, uh, you know, like, what are you doing? Mm. You know, we could use that money for something else, right. like for me to line my own pockets, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, you know, so we see this, this contrast. We also see a contrast with the fragrance and mm. the just incredible, uh, aroma that this yeah. nard gives yeah. off. Um, to just in the last chapter we were looking at Lazarus, you know, being dead and decaying yep. and just that smell of death, that yeah. stench. Yeah. And, you know, we've got that contrasted now with Mary and this, this nard mm -hmm. that creates such an incredible aroma. I love that you point that out because one thing that John always does is kind of double meaning and kind of repeated imagery all throughout the book of John. So you've got in... John chapter 11, Lazarus, the stench of Lazarus is now contrasted with this aroma that's poured over Jesus. The death of Lazarus and now the foreshadowing to the death of Jesus that's coming. You kind of just have these repeated imagery. And so picking up on that just in the text over and over again, how John's just repeating that, you see that again here with Judas, where Jesus does something or something happens, and there's going to be some people that are believing in him, surrendering, worshiping him, following him, and there's going to be others that are kind of these characters that are shown doubting and in disbelief and really often just hypocrisy and the pride of the Pharisees. That's just been this major theme over and over again in the book of John. Here again, you see it. Mary uh, anoints Jesus, preparing him for the coming cross, for his death, 
for basically a funeral preparation is what's happening here. And you see Judas, and I love the kind of extra info that John gives us, like, well, Judas has been dipping into the money bags himself. Um, but it's just that same hypocrisy. Some people see Jesus and they believe. Some are filled with pride. And because of their pride, because of their self-righteousness, um, because of that sin, they reject Jesus, which kind of moves us into something here that John kind of tells us about Lazarus and the people coming to Jerusalem. What's going on there? Yeah, so we've got we've got people, you know, probably hearing through the grapevine mm. that this person that a lot of them probably know or yeah. know of, you know, was dead and yeah. not just mostly dead. That's a little Princess Bride reference. Um, But like very dead, like decaying dead. And now he's alive. Like people are going, what the heck? You know, Jesus has been doing all of these things. Let's go check this out. Mm. And they start coming and they are excited about, you know what? This might be the guy. This is, this is the guy that we've been waiting for. And, uh, the thing about that, though, is it's not just that they are like, oh, well, Jesus is Messiah, so we want mm. to follow him. Mm. It is we have been waiting for the Messiah yeah. to make our lives better, yep. Yep. and we want this guy who yeah. we are assuming is going to be coming in. Mm-hmm. He's going to be riding in on a white mm-hmm. horse with a mm-hmm. sword, and he's going to be chopping the heads off of these Romans yep. and yep. you know taking things back for mm-hmm. us. And so they, you know... We all, I think, you go back to the Old Testament and throughout history, we see that people are always looking for a king. Yeah. They always want something yep. to worship. Yep. And so, you know, people, I think, you've got crowds who yeah. are saying, this is the guy. This is mm-hmm. the one who's going to take care of us and that we can worship. Yeah, and think about how many people this would have been. The Scholars kind of say Jerusalem probably had about 50,000 people living there. During Passover feast, you probably had another 50,000 people that entered into the city. The city didn't have enough hotels to, to hold 50,000 people, so they probably were surrounded in kind of all the hillsides. It's basically just this big, almost like concert, multi-day long festival party. Like People are there to celebrate Passover. And think about this imagery again in the book of John. John the same way there was like a light party going on and Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, Passover is going on where they are remembering um, the Moses exodus and um, the different things that happened there and the remembering the Passover blood that was spread above the doorpost that saved the children of Israel and the people of Israel. The Passover is the drop backdrop for Jesus coming and being truly the Passover lamb. I mean, it's just incredible, this imagery that's here um, with Jesus having a different type of salvation, a different type of kingdom than what the people would expect. And that carries us straight into this triumphal entry that happens. Jesus comes on a donkey. This would have been very common in the first century world. Um, They would have greeted a conquering hero or king who was returning from battle. They would have went out of the city to meet him and kind of ushered him back in. Some some interesting symbolism going on here with the palm branches. Those are often used as kind of these things to wave at victory. They were printed on Roman coins. And so they're waving these palm branches for Jesus, who's coming in on a donkey, a triumphal entry. They're expecting him to be the political king and ruler. And it's interesting, they're crying out Hosanna, which in Aramaic means save us now. And that would have been a common phrase to greet these different victorious kings. So this whole thing is just like loaded with political imagery. I kind of imagine like 
the worst like Republican or Democratic national conventions, like they're all on fire for their next guy. This is going to bring us salvation. But Jesus really has a different kingdom in mind here, a different plan that is going to come about. And then you see the Greeks kind of enter the scene at the end of, uh, ver- or actually more in the middle of chapter 12 here, getting towards um, the middle middle section of, the, of these verses, you see these Greeks come and it's Jesus' anointed hour. And the point that John is making is that Jesus has come, the climax is here, this is going to go out from Jerusalem, they're all coming to see him, Jesus going out, the, the gospel going out from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth as well. Guys, as we just kind of think about some of just the application from the text this morning, what kind of sticks out to you guys? I know for me, one of the things that uh, <laughs> that I think is convicting for me is uh, just thinking about Mary and Judas and their different their different reactions. Like I am, I am so I'm such a cheapskate, and I'm very much yeah. uh, you know thinking about not just money, but even even my own pride, the way that I appear to others. And, um, you know, to look at Mary and her just incredibly expressive love Mm. and her abandon, like Mm. she truly doesn't care what anybody else is thinking. She is just worshiping Jesus in this act. And then you've got Judas who, you know, hopefully my heart is not (laughs) that bad, but you know, there, I can totally see a part of me that would be like, whoa, 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 we could have used that money for such Mm. better stuff. You would never say that, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) Lee, you know me. (laughs) You've probably probably heard me say that. (laughs) I am am cheaper than you, so. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Lee, what about for you, man? You know, I was talking to uh, my daughter Sienna. Studied the Book of John at Biola this year, and so I was ask, I was talking to her about this. And we, the the part that we that stuck with us was just how kind of crazy and weird and strange it was that Mary did get on her knees and sat there mm. at, at Jesus's feet, and um, and just like just sat there yeah. and poured everything out yeah. on yeah. him, and how like we look at that today, and would we do that, mm. and how that how that do we do that mm. to Jesus and how important it is that our relationship with Jesus is so we, we would be willing to do yeah. that. Yeah. And, um, so I just, I just see that, that, that position of, um, of Mary's just vulnerability, the yep. risk she took, how crazy it was. And then the financial impact of it was yeah. just being truly amazing and something yep. to um, yep. inspire me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you guys talked um, Mary anointing Jesus. I think for me, as I look at that triumphal entry, I'm always just reminded again, where do I want Jesus on my terms? Where do I want him to be the kind of king that I want him to be versus the true kingdom that he is bringing? It's a kingdom that's not of this world. It's a kingdom that's yes. not politically driven. It's a kingdom that's not full of the ways I want in Jesus to come and remove whatever the Romans are in my life. The things that I just want him to kind of like rescue me from, Jesus has a different plan in mind. And will I surrender ultimately to Jesus' way and what he has in mind rather than the way I want Jesus yeah. on my terms, which is really just, I think, looks like this daily posture of just surrender, laying down my plans, my goals, my ambitions for Jesus. Because I think that's how you don't miss Jesus, is right? Like Judas misses Jesus because he has that very same thing, his own agenda, his own plans versus surrendering that to Jesus. What does Jesus have in store and following him wherever he leads? 
Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for joining me on the pod today. Thank you to the listener for spending your time with us. Our promise is just that we're always going to do our best to make this valuable time for you as the leader. If this has helped you in any way, let us know. Hey, whether you're at the gym, mowing the lawn, driving, or whatever you like to do while listening to podcasts, we hope you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text with your group this week. As always, do your own prep, be led by the Spirit, and know that you are the one who is sent this week into your group, into your family, into your pre-watch communities, wherever God invites you to be a living proof of our loving God. We love you guys, and we'll catch you next time on The Text Lab.